0: It's Inside the Gamecocks, the show, Tuesday, November 22nd.
1: hope all of you are doing quite well out there. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving week to all of you. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He's Phil Mullen I think we're both battling a little uh, throat-scratching kind of situation today, so uh, Mm -hmm. bear with us if we kind of sound like, uh, I don't know, name your person, uh, Beverly D'Angelo's character and entourage. How about that? Hi, Ari. Ari, Ari. Hard to believe that's that same sweet woman that went Clark. Oh, Clark, gee, yeah. Clark. <laughs> Beverly Sparky. D'Angelo. Sparky. Yeah, didn't age <laughs> too well. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's the deal there. Uh, I want to give you a programming note. We've made an executive decision here at uh, Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, No show Thursday or Friday, Uh, but what we're going to do tomorrow, uh, we're going to have something really special second hour with um, uh, Jamie Bradford and Michael Flint. also want to announce Inside the Gamecocks, the show is now sponsored, the title sponsor of the show, uh, by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Uh, My friend John Barber owns that. Uh, You know, when you're talking about wintertime in the South, it's good to do some summer planning. He's got sunrooms. He's got other things for your backyard, make your house very beautiful. I would imagine a sunroom is is more of a winter thing, but everybody seems to do construction in the summer or spring. Uh, So when you think about your spring plans, uh, consider Express Sunrooms of Columbia, the title sponsor now of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. And, of course, we love all our other sponsors as well. Uh, today's poll question, and that is not sponsored yet, but it will be, I think. Uh, today's poll question is simple. It's the spread, 14 and a half. Uh, Tigers minus 14 and a Opened at 16. Uh, now it's down to 14 and a half. This means the money's coming in on the Gamecocks a little bit. Uh, will the Gamecocks cover? Will Clemson cover? Uh, on Twitter so far, it's about 80-20 Gamecocks. Uh, we we'll got
2: some hope out there on both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: you, you got uh, it's 82 that they cover, uh, 17 uh, percent that they don't. Um, so we'll see sort of what happens there, but uh, certainly uh, you know, the spread may be a little too big. I don't know. You know, it, it's uh, it's uh, the Clemson game, and they've dominated the series. I mean, they, they there hadn't been a closer game than 21 since 2015 which is a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I kind of remember where I, I was actually at that game in 2015. And um, I know my life's changed quite a bit since then. <laughs> I just, you know, uh, I'm yeah. sure the rest of you have as well. But uh, it's been a while since the Gamecocks have even given them a game. Um, really for one half in 2018 was the only time it was competitive. Um, and so it's it's been, uh, as Dabo said that one time, when he was in the midst of a five-game losing streak, <laughs> Uh, it's been a domination. Well, it has been a domination uh, lately. And I wrote Phil on the TheBigSpur.com today. Folks checked out the column. It's a tough turnaround going from a game like Tennessee where everything went your way, just a magical night, beating a top five team, beating a SEC East rival uh, that you want to beat every year, beating them convincingly, having, you know, all this stuff, Rattler, whatever. And then you got to turn around and go play another top 10 team that, oh, just so happens to be your in-state rival uh, and that game's more important than any other game on the schedule. just about every year for the university alumni, fans, players, you name it. Uh, it Clemson's always a very important game, but I wrote really Phil that, you know what? That's just the life of a Gamecock. I mean, that, you know, you, you think about South Carolina's in the SEC. They're about to have to play nine SEC games a year. Plus there are tribal uh, has is in the midst of their best period ever winning national championships and the like. Um you know, that's just reality, and uh, I think that the Gamecocks can, you know, face reality
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh, and uh, and go play well. I, I think it's it's going to – the seniors on this team that have been through so much, they've been highs and lows. I started thinking about it, Phil. This group has uh, been part of two of the biggest wins ranking-wise in program history because uh, oh, yeah. most of this group beat Georgia in 2019 – Right. Uh, and then Tennessee this year, so they've had like the highest of highs and then the lowest of lows. One of those lows was last year's Clemson game. Um, and and the fact that they have not scratched in this rivalry. They have not, uh, you know, the few people that were around in 2018, one half of glory, right, and a lot of pretty stats. But that game still was a 28-point game in the third quarter. Uh, so South Carolina, you know, has to go up. I, I think they have to play a really good football game. I, I don't think Clemson's quite as – yeah, that 2018 team and 2019, they were dominant, you know. I wouldn't exactly call Clemson dominant. I think they're one of the better teams in the country. Um, they've won the games they're supposed to win, maybe not Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, they, they've really, uh, as a team this year, Clemson is one of those teams that finds a way to win. They're, they're not difficult to play with, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But they're difficult to beat. Does that make right. any sense? Yeah, that makes
2: a lot of sense, especially at home and the way they do it. Because, you know, they're going to want to ground and pound you, control the clock. And, you know, it could just, it could be a long day, but hopefully we, we, that spark that we saw Saturday just kind of flows over and everybody keeps the intensity up. And this is a huge game, especially for, you know, like you mentioned, some of those kids that have been on this manic ride these past few years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The highs, lows, highs, lows, up, down, up, down. It'd be nice to finish up.
1: and it's big for the it's big for the school i mean in the program i mean at some point you know you need to go beat these guys right <laughs> uh and carolina's done that this year winning at kentucky for the first time since 2012 bda and m for the first time ever snapping a three game losing streak to tennessee uh you know they have done some things you know and and this is going to be another challenge i i i don't think for a minute that player for player, the the gap between Clemson and South Carolina is as large as it once was. I think there's still a gap, but I don't think it's as large as it once was. It's nothing like the gap with Georgia and Carolina, uh, I think at this point. So, you know, go up there, shoot your shot. And Phil, I almost think, you know, because I've been trying to think, how do you play this? Um, And we'll find out probably a little bit about Marshawn Lloyd when Shane Beamer speaks with the media uh, after we get off today. Uh, If he's ready to go, you know, then the question becomes, what kind of shape is he in? You know, can he go out there and carry a load? Um, You know, I know Clemson has been susceptible against the run at times, other times not so much. Um, You know, so, so can Carolina go in there? I almost, if I'm the Gamecocks, take the same approach I took against Tennessee and just say, hey, look, you know, this is who we kind of are you know, or who who we found out we were against the Vols. So so let's just keep doing it. I mean, if you're Oklahoma, you know, and and you go put a bunch of points up on the board, you know, or or name your other big offense, Tennessee even, you know, you're not going to sit there and go, oh, my God, it's Clemson. We better run it up the middle, you know. We better do something completely different. Um, you know, you add some wrinkles, you, you mix some things up, but you still have the same kind of plan of attack. I, I think the game guys need to go right after and, mm-hmm. and just say, all right, we've got good players. We've got, you know, a, a Rattler needs to get time, obviously, but, uh, and that's that's going to be a challenge, but, you know, quick game, hit it, you know, get the ball out on the perimeter, let you guys make plays, uh, you know, pound it some with your running backs, keep them off balance. Uh, they're a fast defense, so, you know, uh, but so is Tennessee. Uh, I think is better than Tennessee on defense, and they're more talented. Uh, got more future NFL players, all that, better scheme, everything. But uh, I, I think some of those those little wide plays to Brown and Wells and Xavier Leggett, the reverses and stuff, uh, serve to keep defenses honest. Now, think about this, Phil. On this with this offense, you know, the the, the plan for Tennessee was very similar to the plan for Vandy. Okay. Uh, Game Pack's had kind of a sputtering penalty plague second half at Vandy. They put 31 on the board in the first half there. So think about this. Using this style of offense and getting out there and attacking and going down the field and being creative and making them defend the whole field, it's yielded 31 points, 35 points, and 28 points in in three three out of the last four halves of football. They've tried to do this. So maybe that should tell everybody something.
2: I know. I mean, you know, it looks like we've, we've found our identity in the fact that, you know, we're just distributing the balls appropriate to our playmakers, playing some quick game and, you know, playing to all of our strengths. I mean, it really is just amazing that it's taken us this long to figure it out.
1: Yeah. Get give Rattler time, let him get it down the field and then he can make the throws, obviously. Uh, like I said, Clemson's secondary is much better than... Um, Tennessee's secondary, but it's just, it's kind of a similar gambling-style defense. I mean, we've seen that through the years. Uh, you know, West Godwin obviously is different than Brent Venables a little bit, but not everybody's like Brent Venables, just like not everybody's like Steve Spurrier, you know, when it comes to calling yeah. plays on the one side of the ball. Uh, and that's a, that is a very big credit to Brent Venables, uh, by the way. Um, the Nana Sports chat box is blowing up. Blowing, blowing, blowing. Blowin'. Uh, by the way, blowin'. guest guest today, right? Sawyer Nicks, and that's it. Yep. Right.
2: Sawyer Nicks with the mental edge. And then tomorrow we got we got Chris Phillips in a day early since we've got an abbreviated week. And then of course the the big second hour breakdown with
1: Jamie Bradford and Michael Flint tomorrow. And there could be another special guest jump in too as well. Uh, or maybe maybe three, who knows? You
0: never
1: we know. May, we may, you never know. Here on the show, we, we <laughs> may just surprise everybody. We just uh, yeah, you know, wave our magic wand. It's we're we having a new guest today. Oh, great! Yes. Uh, Seth, first one of the chat box today. We're on the Clemson. <laughs> we're on the Clemson. We're on the Clemson. Uh, mm-hmm. James makes a good point. Gamecocks would be the only school to defeat two teams that have been ranked in the playoff top four at some point this year. LSU will have a chance next week to be added to that list. Yeah, if LSU beats Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, Clemson's been in the top four. Tennessee's been in the top four, deservingly so. But, uh, you know, I I think that would be quite the feather in the cap of the Gamecocks if they go up there and win. But, yeah, I I don't care if Clemson's two and eight. No. No. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Throw the records know, out weekend. This
1: is the you rivalry, you know. Game. <laughs> but 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 to, to us, that's what it is. To us, what mm-hmm. that that's what it is. And but James makes a good point when you're talking about you know narratives and recruiting and national exposure mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, having that feather in your cap certainly is good. Uh, and then you know, who knows who the Gamecocks will play in the bowl game uh, if they win. From what Brad Crawford reported today, the Citrus Bowl kind of becomes an outside possibility in Orlando. Mm. Um, Looks like the Gator Bowl is like an 80% deal. Uh, Pull for Florida to lose to Florida State, by the way, when you're talking about the Gator Bowl. Uh, And then, um, because they'll they'll take Florida. Uh, Of course, if Florida State's the opponent, they can't take Florida. So, Mm. figure that out. Now a lot of the projections I've seen and have said Notre Dame. So Florida Notre Dame would be a big ticket for them more than South Carolina Notre Dame, uh, I think. And the Gamecocks could end up in the Music City Bowl in Nashville, Ooh, nice uh, if uh, at the very least. I, th- I think Nashville probably. I don't want to say worst case scenario because Carolina's <laughs> never played in that bowl. <laughs> um, yeah. they, mm-hmm. they tend to always want to take Kentucky over the Gamecocks, but uh, I think Music City uh, would be that next. Uh, Next spot. I, I, and, I, and I think, too, I'll, I'll warn you guys, the Vegas Bowl is still out there, um, and it still could happen uh, because the SEC ultimately decides. Uh, a lot of these projections and stuff are, are kind of the opinions of the Bowl uh, and uh, the university, not necessarily the, the SEC and Sankey and his band of brothers, you know, and sisters. Ancestors, uh, they, they pick it up, and, and they—they're uh, the ones that make the decision. And there's been some surprises over the years. You know, I thought Muschamp's first year, they—you know—everybody's kind of wanting Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Carolina uh, in Charlotte. They end up sending Arkansas to Charlotte. Hmm. Gamecocks went to Birmingham. So one good thing, though, I think the win over Tennessee eliminates any possibility of the Birmingham Bowl your way out of Birmingham, huh? <laughs> that, I think that's that's the, once you get bowl eligible, that's the next step, brother. Yeah, avoid Birmingham. Allow it used to be, a, Birmingham. You, you know, here's the thing it used to be avoid Shreveport, but man, I've been to Shreveport twice for bowl games. I've had a blast both times. It, it's kind of a that, that that's kind of the only game in town is that bowl. Um, now the second time I went with Carolina, played Miami, it was raining, and so there were probably like 50 people there. And it was the, uh, the duck hunter, duck commander. That was the year. That's right. The year the ducks, uh, the duck commanders <laughs> sponsored the bowl. So that was kind of cool. And, uh, but we went, Keith, Keith actually went with me we had a blast, uh, at that one in Carolina one, ate a pretty good steak afterward and ate in oh five, when Carolina went out there, I went out there with my friend, Manning, my late friend, Manning, God bless him. Uh, and, uh, We went to the, it was a devastating loss to Missouri because Carolina was up by like three touchdowns, beating the crap out of them. It's Spurrier's first year. It looked like the fun and gun. And then all of a sudden, Missouri came back and beat them. Uh, But we went to the Horseshoe Casino afterward, and uh, I won about $400 playing blackjack. So I had a good time then, too. Right. (laughs) Uh, And on our way back, we drove from Nashville to Shreveport. We stopped in Hope, Arkansas, home (laughs) of Bill Clinton. The, <laughs> the president, who does, who's kind enough to do a commercial here for our show, uh and ate at a golden, cor- not a golden corral. It was like a, is a sizzler, west, western, western sizzling, was, yeah. western sizzling. Yeah, <laughs> uh, ate the, ate some buffet right there in Hope, Arkansas, in between the, the cardboard cutout of Bill. I, <laughs> I love this western sizzling. <laughs> uh, I want sirloin tips, mushroom gravy with a baked potato. <laughs> And this this one was kind of like set up like the old Ryan's where you could order from the menu or you could order from the uh, the uh, buffet. Or just have the buffet, yeah. Or just mm-hmm. have the buffet, if you will. J-Rock says, good morning. I didn't good get morning. to chime in or listen much yesterday due to a training new employee. But mm-hmm. just want to say amazing game. Spurrier, I'm glad God waited a week to smile on the game Yeah. <laughs> I almost felt sorry for Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah, Xavier chiming in, strong as a garlic milkshake from the Pacific Northwest. South Carolina just scored on Tennessee again. Sean says, just hoping Sad doesn't try to outsmart himself with a new game plan this week. You know, Clemson's going to blitz, blitz, and more blitz. We win or lose on O-line protection. I agree. You got to. It's got to hold up. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you, Tennessee blitzes a lot. Yeah, a lot. Uh, it's different than Clemson. Clemson's got better athletes up front. But I think that's probably why you got to go attack, Phil, because mm-hmm. you throw over the top of it and make them pay, it's going to back them off.
2: Yeah, they'll, they'll ease up a bit. And, you know, I think we continue to see a lot more of the Nate Atkins, you know, back there for pass pro. I, I just, you know, that, yeah. why would you quit that? <laughs> why would you quit that? I just
1: can't quit. I just can't quit. I just can't quit you. Just Nate Atkins. <laughs> uh ajm says hope hopefully our players stay focused and motivated sat will continue calling sat off sats offense well mm-hmm. depends on what the definition of sats offense is by the way ajm still think they don't have good players now are the players just still the issue no, uh, no. just <laughs> wondered um i uh, hope we take on the spirit of west virginia against the upstate team that we can yeah remember that uh down orange Ooh. bull that year. Of course, Kevin yeah. Steele was the DC there. Then he's in Miami now. By the way, good job. <laughs>
0: Great. Great.
1: <laughs> Looking good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Preston goes. Any thoughts on the Vols saying we put sand on the field to slow down their offense? What is, no. is that? Just
2: message board. Trent? Is that somebody? It's just, garbage. Uh, it's it,
1: it, 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 garbage? Now listen, listen. Let, let me just. I'll say this. Um no, I, South Carolina didn't do anything like that. But, you know, the Columbia's in the Midlands, a, a.k.a. the Sand Hills. So, I think some genius probably sat there and walked out of the stadium and maybe saw some sand somewhere because they were just looking at the landscape. But, man, that's, they had a bunch of sand and threw it on in the stadium, didn't they? Good old Rocky Top, you know. And they didn't. But here's the thing. Tennessee didn't look slow. No. The, the first damn play, first drive of the game, did that look slow to anybody? No. no you now just got I, beat. Yeah. <laughs> you just it, got beat. It's unfortunate Hooker hurt himself too or got hurt too. But I've seen that happen on the most pristine of fields. I mean, he just got caught in the turf. It's part of football, you know. Um, so no, that, that sand thing's ridiculous. Somebody somebody been smoking some ganja on the Tennessee end. And and I guarantee you, because you don't think about there being sand in Columbia, because right. it's two two hours from the coast. Way back in ancient times when the dinosaurs ran the earth, the the, the ocean came up to Columbia. You know, right there was the ancient ocean, Mm -hmm. and that's why they call it the sand hills because they're sand in the Midlands. It happens. I've lived there, we've all been there, right? We all know this for a fact. But somebody from East Tennessee who's, you know, wanting to be a, 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 a sleuth or Sherlock Holmes. Is probably yeah, no there.
2: experience other than red clay being the only dirt that exists. Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Tried> to, <laughs> trying to explain what happened. He may have saw one of the, he or she may have saw one of those big sand piles somewhere be like, that's it. They put sand on the field. Yeah, uh, And, you, and you, hey, think about it. You combine that with sandstorm. sand? Sandstorm. Sand, sand sand oh, my God. Oh, my God. God cheaters. Game yeah, University of Tennessee never, ever, 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 ever needs to say anything in the University of South Carolina about cheating. No. No. I'll say that. And that's no, I'm not I'm not saying Tennessee's always cheating or, or whatever, but, you know, there's some history in recruiting back in the 90s we can pull up, and, you know, then there's that little uh, the McDonald's bag episode and, and all that. So, uh, here we go. J-Rock says, I think our corners can man up Clemson's receivers. I believe if we can click on offense – and, and even half as good, our defense will play more inspired against the run. We can do things to beat Clemson. Yeah, Clemson's style of offense is not like Tennessee's either. They don't go – they used to go fast, but they don't go extremely fast. Uh, AGM says we have a clear advantage of our DBs against their receivers. Yeah, and I, I, I'd, I'd caution you on that, though, because they do have talent. They're young, but they do have players. And DJ, when he's on, he he throws lasers. Now, he's not always on. But yeah, that's what uh, you're
2: hoping you get the, you get the little bit off DJ.
1: Yeah. And then they'll do, they'll do some tricky stuff like hit the tight end out of nowhere and mm-hmm. things like that. So you got to kind of be, you know, you got a lot to stop there when you're looking at them and you can I don't think you can just try to stop one thing. And by the way, I apologize. I keep hitting that. I keep hitting this sound shield and I'm sure <laughs> it's reverberating in your ear. So I'm going to, I'm going to move my mouse over here. So I'm not uh, hitting it. Um, Chris C says the dumbest part about Sandgate is it would slow us down too. That's right. Yeah. They play on the same field. Uh,
2: Josh yeah, they Van. Knew, w- they knew what cleats to wear because they knew it was going to be sandy. <laughs>
1: Them sand cleats. I have
2: sand cleats on.
1: Whatever, Daniel. Whatever, Daniel Boone. Right. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Watch out for Vandy. No doubt. Uh, J-Rock <laughs> says, I think we can make Clemson one-dimensional. Clemson's front seven stout. to get the ball to juice, bell, use DK. You can burn them. Um, hey, look, if Carolina can make – that was the key to last year's game. Uh, notice DJ only threw for 99 yards. I mean, he didn't have to pass second half. And Dabo's one of these now. Uh, he's evolved. Like – uh, and remember he played for Gene Stallings today. He's a whole Alabama guy. So he's evolved and, and he'd rather just pound you into submission and beat you 31 to six than than getting a shootout. I mean, that that's kind of how Clemson's built these days. They they don't, you know, they, they went through the whole Chad Morris period and all that, but now they are like and they're also kind of like Tennessee, a momentum team. If they snatch the momentum from you, it can snowball on you in a hurry. Because all of a sudden their defense starts playing well, the crowd starts getting into it. You know, it's big play after big play. I mean, it. You know, it's really important to get off to a not get off to a bad start. Saturday afternoon, Saunders says there's a pretty good post on TBS about the grass, tropical storm, cold, cloudy weather, and grass type going into dormancy. All required the field to be heavily dressed with sand. So maybe they did put sand on the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, it didn't slow them down though. We only put it out there for every other possession. Yeah. <laughs> uh, K- K- Kagi Gaming said, honestly, the game plan from last week would probably be the best plan to go against Clemson. I agree. I think you just let it all hang out again. I think yeah, you just I go mean, after him.
2: Why would you change it? It worked, you know. I mean, it would be it would be so typically us to go in there with something different, but my God, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, if Lloyd's back, I think it's the same. I think you just you let, you just add Marshawn to the mix and let Jaheim kind of back him up, move Jaheim around a little bit, and because uh, even if Marshawn plays, I don't know that he's going to be able to, to carry to tote the rock thirty times right. or something like that. Which a few weeks back, that would have kind of been probably my game plan watching him play Notre Dame. Is Lloyd has to go off. I don't think that's necessarily the. I don't think that's necessarily the idea. Um, Brian says morning. I didn't pick last week because I just didn't know. wasn't convinced we were getting blown out. wasn't sure if we could pull the upset. Feel the exact same this week. Will ask what's Marshawn Lloyd's status. I don't know. I have my doubts he's going to play. I mean, but we're going to find out, right? Going to mm-hmm. find out. Uh, Clemson has the number forty-four run offense. Can't let them run all over us. That's true. That's true. Um definitely. Maybe says we just need to keep taking shots. Based on how they played against Wake Forest, I don't think their DBs can cover us. Let me let me just clarify this, folks. Chat boxers, listeners, people on the podcast. Uh the Wake Forest game, don't take that as hey, Rattlers gonna go up there and light them up. They were missing like three starters, or at least two, uh, out of their secondary. I think their two starting safeties are as a safety in a corner. Um, and just like any team, when you're playing reserves, especially against somebody like Wake Forest, uh, it's going to get it's going to get dicey. So, uh, I think health wise, they're back to full, at least close to full strength. Uh, we'll probably need to get a Clemson injury report some some today or tomorrow. I'll, I'll look that up. Uh, Carolina Titans says they'll want to pound the ball game. Cox averaged more passing yards than them this year. DJ has not been good this year. Yeah, he's had his moments. They really like to run him. So it's kind of like Arkansas, the big old kid back there. Yeah, you gotta, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he uh, you gotta hit him. Uh AJM says Wake has better receivers than we do. But we probably have the third best receiver, of course, they've seen. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Mm, I, I don't know I, either. I mean, I'd I'd probably put those three as pretty similar. Pretty similar. I think they've uh, been
2: showcased better by a more apt offensive coordinator Yeah. Sure. the year. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, GWO for life says we need to let Rattler spin it again with tempo. We saw what Ohio State did to them with tempo and Aaron get out on offense. Yes, that's uh, that's been kind of the bugaboo for Clemson's defense uh, over the years. and They hadn't really played anybody since Wake that that's committed to chucking it all over the yard. So I don't know. Uh, Ron comes in. Congratulations on the Gamecock win. Ron Mullinax. No. Oh, there, there you go.
2: There
1: you go, Ron. Ronnie. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saunders says still no Christian UNC fan today. AGM Mm -hmm. says, we have the clear advantage at running back if Lloyd plays. I don't know, man. Maffa and Shipley are good. Wide wide receiver, (laughs) I'll give you that. Tight end, I'll give you that. DB, I'll probably give you that. I don't know about O-line. I think Clemson's O-line's pretty good. Um, If you look at their – they haven't always played that way. And, And that's kind of the story of Clemson's season. They haven't always played, like, as great as you'd think they would. But they do have talent. They do have talent. Um, you know, Tiffany says we'd love to change the trend this year against them. Heck, I felt that way against Missouri, and we didn't get it done. Yeah, Carolina didn't do anything like they did against Tennessee against Missouri. No, thank so, goodness. <laughs> you know, rally rally mode was not not oh, that geez. great. Um, Sean said JC made a good point on JC Morgan. game, Gamecocks have close to equal talent with UT, just wasn't utilized well till last week. Yeah, if you look at that Tennessee roster. You know, they don't have a bunch of four and five star guys. They have a bunch of guys that have overperformed relative to their ranking that fit their system. And you know, till till Saturday night believed.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh and we're all on the same page. A Lot of experience too, heavy junior senior latent team.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Cocky game is just drop you on nuts by <laughs> Cam Smith. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, Cocky Gaming also says he'd rather have Notre Dame over Free Shoes You the Knowles in Jacksonville. Um Closest DL has been way worse than advertised. I, I don't know about worse. I just don't know that you've seen them, like, destroy people. Similar now, to ours, they've underperformed relative to expectations. I'll say this, though. If you look at them in games sometimes, like the Syracuse game comes to mind, you know, Syracuse is, you know, chunking right along Clemson gets some favorable calls. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They, they score. And then Clemson's defense just shut them completely down. I mean, it was like, it's like they flipped a switch right now. Miami's anemic on offense. They, they, they have, they have quarterback issues. They have issue issues. Uh, Louisville though, uh, was able to move the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, uh, and uh, then Malik Cunningham got hurt, and that was that. But you know, uh, any news on the Jersey kid? Is he going to play or not? I don't know who you're talking about. Um, AJM2 said, "I thought of you watching the game JC, so not surprised by that smug smile. It's a little smug, right? Uh, when you asked me if I thought they don't have good players, that game proved my point: players performing." Better was the difference. No, it wasn't because that offense looked nothing like the offense they ran at Florida. I'm sorry, a blind person could see it. If they'd have lined up against Florida and done what they did against Vanderbilt and and still gotten beat, I'd be with you. But that's just mm-hmm. not. That's just not what happened. You can
2: see it was different plays, different that, calls. Yeah, diff,
1: a different, <laughs> totally different style of offense. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought. I thought that was obvious. Uh, but I was just giving you a little bit of crap. I I wasn't trying to like come after you about that or anything. All right, we're we're uh, we're over the limit here. We're over the line. Over the line. Over the line. Lady Bree says it was the same offense. I don't know how on earth you're watching film and could say that. To me, it was the same offense they ran it against Vandy, but it was nothing like what they did at Florida. And if you notice, they spread the field more against Tennessee. If you notice here's the difference against Florida, they were tight between the hashes you know I, I don't I don't know how anybody can can say that, yeah, I mean,
2: you can say that some of the plays were the same, and some of the plays are some that we've seen all year, which is exactly what was coming out of the locker room post game was that yeah, these are the plays we've been running all year, the ones that we know best, <laughs> yeah. so we we use them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, just continue to use them as opposed to try to get, you know, cute and creative with that pro style packed in. You know, I don't even know what that is, but let's hope we don't see that this weekend.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how anybody can want. I mean, there's a few people out there that, that I want to blame the players for everything and and that don't understand the limitations of this offense uh, when it's, you know, clunky, clunky, clunky. Um, and, and I get it and and I know that probably if you sit there and watch play to play and try to circle everything and look at everything, just like people think receivers are open when they're not, uh, I get that. And I totally understand your point of view. And I hope to God, <laughs> you know that uh, Carolina just goes out and does the same thing Saturday, you know, and mm. and if if they if they get beat, they get beat. But this notion that uh, you know, this notion that they played the Florida game exactly like they played the Tennessee game is wild. Now I'll give you Vandy. I'll give you Vandy right now, but uh, not Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, or I mean, not Florida and, and not Missouri either. By the way, all right, we're over time. We got to get Sawyer in here. Yep, yep. Men, mental edge coming up after these messages.
0: Hey, man,
1: are you sick and tired of your business computer guy?
2: Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
1: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly.
2: Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California.
1: Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number?
2: Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
1: Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
3: Gamecocks
1: attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. Very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA mid amateur tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington, half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So, contact her on Twitter at Mer Taylor, at M E R T A Y L O R, or go to mckellarenterprises.org. Mckellar is McKellar spelled M C K E L L A R, enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Uh, this is Coach Old. Now, back to the show. Gold Tigers in the song. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to Inside the Game Cox, the show, everyone. The first hour of the show was brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call for all of your upstate residential real estate needs 864 414 5271. And we're joined now for our weekly mental edge segment by Sawyer Nix. Sawyer, how are you feeling today?
4: Doing all right. Much better after uh, last week. I think everybody is. So.
2: Yeah, that's right. We're, I we're definitely, still...
4: I got to. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, I got literally my hat right. Uh, I think I predicted uh, double the double the spread was what we needed, and I was right. It was just the other way—double the spread the other way. Um, so, man, that was a uh, big time. Uh, and and I I never will say you'll never hear me say, and I don't think you've anybody on the show has heard me say that the team can't do something or that they won't do it. I always say the evidence shows. You know, this and, and the evidence that pretty much everybody across America had seen, including the, the best of fans, did not see what was coming. But thank goodness the team has that belief and that they have that um, just desire to go to war. And, and I saw that in the game. The players, I mentioned before in other games, there was chippiness on the other side, and the game never responded. They, they, they didn't seem to be playing with Edge in several of those games the leaders didn't seem to be stepping out, that the coaches didn't put them in a place to have success. And this game was the opposite of that. We saw the players standing up. We saw them, you know, celebrating. And I think the momentum was so strong. I think it just started out of the gate and just continued, obviously, um, with the result. But I think that was a big – I think that was a big factor in it was the momentum going. But I think it was the coaches putting them in that position, the leaders taking hold of that, and just moving forward. And then we got – What a historic, historic win.
1: All right, i I had got to clarify something before we continue with Sawyer here because I sounded like an idiot. Um, I want to say this. No, they did not install a new offense in one week. That's unrealistic. And I I should not have used the term new offense. I apologize. Uh, It was the same offense, the same plays they've had in the playbook. Keep in mind, the playbook's 110 plays long. Uh, What they did was selected – scaled it back and used a lot of window dressing formationally. um, And they attacked the entire field and they did not do that against Florida. So yes, it was the same offense, uh, but it was ran and executed in a different way. And you're right. Spencer did execute it, uh, but it was more much more like the Vanderbilt plan of attack uh, than what we saw at Florida or against Missouri. Um, So I hope that clarifies this whole notion that, uh, you know i i misspoke said new offense i didn't mean to say new offense that that is unrealistic and lady brie you guys are right lady brie you're also right because keith said yesterday there were very few tight formations and bunch formations and and he must have missed those because there were uh, a lot of tight and they did some tight they did much more spread like you said um but that's been my contention all along i've known the plays have been in the playbook you know i just don't know why they don't do it but we can continue that discussion later and Sawyer, I think you're absolutely right. There was a lot of leadership, a lot of leadership that uh, took place uh, and ownership, uh, I thought, uh, heading into that game uh, on on Saturday. And uh, they shocked the world. And and certainly uh, there are a lot of good feelings uh, about that. Um, How do you get back up? Because uh, Mm -hmm. I wrote today the Gamecocks – Life of a game cop, man. There's no rest for the weary, you know, when you, when you play this schedule every year. Well, I think it's, you know, rinse and repeat.
4: Okay, what what led us to that place? Well, it, it started from the top down, obviously. Continued the belief. It started with the offensive coaches finally uh, simplifying things, putting players into plays that they have success, whether that's Joiner, I mean, let him be the guy he is. Let Rattler be the guy he is. Well, how do you how do you let the athletes have be successful? Well, you don't put them in a box. I mean, you give them opportunities to be successful and have fun, get after it, play with enthusiasm and passion. And and that's what we saw. And I think that's what happens when you know the players are playing free and loose and fast. And certainly the environment contributed to that. The environment contributed to that the, hey, everybody thinks we're going to lose. I'm sure the coaches threw that out there. That contributed that. Um, so there's many factors that, that did that. But ultimately, it was the players playing loose and fast and having fun. Certainly one of the, the big plays that has been pointed out was the Rattler throat bell, where it was originally going to, to Atkins on that um, goal line kind of play. And then his athleticism and his arm talent and, and the fight the desire to continue moving forward led to that, that play among many. You know, there were many other plays that were very similar. Uh, That's where you saw the athletic abilities from not just Rattler, but all the players. I mean, there's Wells, Bell. Um, I think also defensively, you know, that they did their part. Um, they got after it. When I saw him and Warry go down, I was like, oh, boy. You know, this is – and I was completely wrong. You know, I was wrong um and i thought this is trouble and he played the role he played the part and i think that was you know just plug and play enjoy the game uh and have fun and i, and I think that's the same message this week i think it's hey everybody thinks you're going to lose again you haven't beat these guys and you know you were in middle school when you know uh game cops won or whatever it is yeah and so i think that's going to be the message players here so all right we're going to have another simplistic game plan fire after it next week you can rest you can take naps but this week we're getting after it we're going we're going to kill
1: yeah i I think the aggressive mindset Sawyer, is important to keep up uh i think that you know sometimes you know look and i use this point you know like if, if you if you can do what you did Saturday night on offense uh, in the game today. I don't think you, I don't think you've changed that. Uh, I think you go in and uh, and hey, if Lloyd plays, great. Put him yeah. in the the same kind of you know situation because what, what you know you can't get to you know too much in a box against these guys because the, if it if it's easy for them to dissect, they have great athletes on defense. It's going to be a long day. You know, you're right. going to have another game where you don't cross the 50. So, I would, you know, and I don't know what they'll do, but uh, I would just continue to do what they did against Vandy and they did against Tennessee because, yeah. you know, Vandy, they put 31 on the board at half. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, it was Tennessee. So, you know, that kind of spreading the field, make them defend the entire field, you right. know, uh, get ahead of the chains. Right. Don't be afraid to, to launch it. Uh, yep. Rattler's got the arm. I think a little more backyard ball I think is maybe been a descriptor
4: that I think people have – someone threw that out. Uh, I forgot who who put
1: that out there. But a little more backyard ball, and and I think that that seems to work. Yeah, it did. And and Rattler played with confidence, and I I hope that confidence continues because I do think he's going to get hit more than Tennessee was able to hit him Uh, on Saturday night. Uh, I don't know that it's realistic to just keep the Tigers completely – away from getting sacks and pressures and all that good stuff. Maybe so. Maybe so. You never know. I mean, look, in 2018, uh, a lot of the same guys that are playing in Carolina's offensive line were playing for Carolina that year. Uh, Clemson had a bunch of All-Americans uh, up front, and they gave Jake time. Jake lit him up. Not saying that Rattler will throw for 500 yards, but I, I would I would definitely go out with that kind of mindset uh, if I were Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield. And I also see Clemson bringing, you know, lining up way more than Tennessee
4: did. I mean, Tennessee had a few delayed blitzes and they had a few blitzes, but I, I just see Clemson, they're notorious for lining up more and bringing more or bringing less and a lot more mind games. So I see that being a factor this week. Yeah. And I think the players will have to definitely be focused. So while we want them to be loose and fast and have some fun, they also there's going to be that challenge from from the Clemson defense that we'll
1: we'll be seeing that we haven't seen. Absolutely. Well, Thanksgiving uh, is this week, uh, Sawyer. Um, Talk a little bit about the holidays and uh, how we all can approach the holidays better, especially, you know, and I, I, uh, you know, nowadays I don't have to worry about it, but because my, you know, obviously it was a different time, but, you know, my ex-wife had a lot of Clemson people in her family. Uh, and I, I liked it when they moved the game to after Thanksgiving.
3: I mean, I'm sorry, to
1: to before Thanksgiving, because after Thanksgiving, I would just dread it. I mean, that would make the the pressure of the game, you know, and then that way you don't have to worry about those folks till Christmas. Right. So you got to kind to heal. Um, but just talk, talk in general about the Thanksgiving holidays. Great gratitude, like you always talk about, just kind of handling the stress of it because it can get stressful yeah, and all that stuff. Um, I
4: don't know if you've heard,
1: we've all heard of
4: uh, Black Friday, um, but I don't know if you've heard of Black Wednesday, that around Thanksgiving is actually one of the times for the highest alcohol sales of, of the year, historically. Um, it's, not, it's not New Year's, uh, it's not July 4th, Memorial Day, Labor Day, uh, St. Patrick's Day, it, it's Thanksgiving. Why is that? Well, certainly people have th- hypothesized that being around family is a factor um, you know, you have to be around those folks once a year. Maybe you haven't seen them in a year, and you gotta be around them. Or maybe there are a lot of rabid Clemson fans. Uh, they're sometimes aggravating and, and needle you on everything. Uh, whatever whatever the the case may be, certainly I think being aware um, this time of year is is important. Just, we've mentioned before taking a step back. I think is really important. So taking a step back, taking a break, um, acknowledging things are, are not so great. Acknowledge, Hey, yeah, I got to spend 30 minutes or an hour with uncle so-and-so or sister or brother or aunt or whatever, uh, perhaps even parent, whoever it is. And, you know, don't pretend and, and try and lie to yourself acknowledge, Hey, this is, this is going to be maybe difficult, but maybe I'll enjoy a meal and get to visit with some family that I do enjoy. Um, so part of it is, is learn, um, who you are, and then respond to that. And if you need to take a break, take a break. Uh, make sure that you know getting sleep and rest is important. Uh, balanced diet is important. You know, certainly we tend to overindulge a little bit, and, um, and that that's okay uh, for a bit. But you know, a day or two of that doesn't need to turn into three or four days. You'll feel miserable
1: and
0: uh, won't, yeah, won't be
4: good. Hey, uh, I've done that you know.
1: before. Gosh, it's 2016 kind of i kind of had a four-day party over Thanksgiving <laughs> by the time that sunday rolled around boy whew, shoot buddy yeah mm. shoot yeah. Buddy. So, so just plan and, and be prepared I think
4: when people usually holidays really hit them hard is when they have unrealistic expectations and they go into a situation and they get blindsided and then they get out of their own element again they you know too much too many things change and certainly again I'll be eating some some Turkey and some pie and I make the Turkey and I make the dressing. So, you know, that's always a challenge for myself to, to show up and show out. And, um, if, if things are good, it's me, if things are bad, it's me. And, and so, um, always enjoy that, but, but taking, again, taking a step back and acknowledging, Hey, things may be tough, uh, but I need to take care of myself. I need to say, no, that's another thing that I think sometimes during the holidays, especially as we agree to things, whether it's spending more on Black Friday or um, buying gifts already or, or hey I'll, well, you offered me this third plate of food. Sure, I'll take third plate of food. you know when maybe two two is two is good, you know two is good and some pie. you know, maybe you'll need that third. Um, so continuing to kind of focus on that and also saying aside differences is important um, during this time that sometimes those those little differences can really, wreak havoc and cause conflict, but uh, we don't want that to become become a problem and, and ruin the holidays. And, and sometimes for holidays, people experience loss, whether it's separation, divorce, loss of a family member, loss of a job. Uh, so I think that's the other thing is being mindful of those around us that, that maybe we're having a good time, maybe we're not. But I think it's, again, just acknowledging this time of year is mixed for everybody. It's not always the best time of the year. Sometimes it can be the most painful time of the year for some people.
1: I've got I remember when I was a kid, like uh, talk about adults being stressed during the holidays. And and look, we always had great holidays. We went over my grandmother's my dad's. uh, My dad died in 95. But we always went over the the Sherbert side of the family in Spartanburg. I always had a wonderful time. Never any conflict anything course there's no alcohol involved then you know or or anything like that I think I think some families on Thanksgiving throw down and and that may cause a little friction but uh it was always nice but I always noticed my dad was in a bad mood like until we got there and then everything was fine uh so that was kind of an example of of that stress I'm lucky this year uh um we uh Nat's parents are out of town uh for a few days and then um I don't think we have the kids either. So we may hit up like the buffet at the casino, you know, like old people, like the old folks do, you know, Uh, and and rock and roll uh, and rock and roll. So uh, I, uh, I, um, I get it. I get it. All right, Sawyer. So the contest, right. Um, And we're going to, uh, we're going to give away another prize pack. Um, Mm -hmm. And this contest, get on Twitter. You got to get on Twitter you got to tag Sawyer at Sawyer Nix and tag at the Big Spur Pod. And, look, if uh, if you're listening not only to the live stream, I know we have thousands that listen after the fact on the podcast. Just get on Twitter and do it, too. Uh, tag at the Big Spur Pod, at Sawyer nix Tell us what you're most thankful for this Thanksgiving, okay? Everybody's answer is going to be really good, right? Even if it's sarcastic or whatever, right? So we didn't want to choose. There, there's no best answer. So what we're going to do? We're going to put everybody kind of in a hat, and I'm going to draw out the winner of the prize pack. But you have to do that, and you have to tag both Twitter accounts to enter, uh, and we'll get you a prize pack out uh, next week. We'll what are you thankful story? for the show? Thank oh, th- thankful for the show. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, grateful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I meant to say the show. What What makes you thankful for this show?
0: <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right.
1: Because we want to hear you love us. <laughs> uh, we just want to hear how much you love us. But uh, no. Uh, but that—that's thing. Yeah. Well, so I'm sorry. So what your the most thank. Uh, yeah. What what makes you the most thankful for the show? Because I do get emails that say I'm thankful for the show. Yeah. Uh, it's a release. It's a it's two hours of highlight of my day. That kind of thing. I appreciate that. I know not everybody feels that way, but uh, I uh, I do appreciate those of you that do. So yeah. So tweet at us. Uh, what makes you thankful for the show? Uh, at the Bixby Pod at Sawyer Nicks. And then, uh, and, and this is open to the folks that listen on podcast, or if you're back, listening to the YouTube uh, stream on archive. Anybody c- can enter that. Then we're going to draw a prize, a prize, draw the winner, and announce it next Tuesday during the middle edge. Well, Sawyer, uh, I know you're right up the road from Memorial Stadium, uh, and uh, you may even be, be able to hear Tiger Rag Saturday around noon o'clock, noon o'clock. Right now, uh, but anyway. Uh I wish you and your family the best. Certainly, we've enjoyed these mental edge segments, and looking forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Same to y'all.
4: Um, I will. I'm. I'm a stickler for waiting for Christmas until Santa shows up at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So, holding <laughs> on to that. Um Then I'll look forward to the game on Saturday. I'm going to predict Gamecocks to win. I don't know who's score. I don't know how it's going to get done, but I think they, they have the momentum going. And if they can rinse and repeat what they did last week or even a portion of that and play with their pants on fire like they should every game, then they're going to have success. And I look forward to seeing that and next week being a, a great segment celebrating that.
1: All right, guys. Yeah, ma'am. Mm-hmm.
4: Appreciate Thank you, sir.
1: Sawyer. Thanks so mm-hmm. much. That's Sawyer Knicks. With the mental edge. Don't forget, again, and I'll repeat this since I screwed it up. Sometimes these contests get a little, little complicated for me. Yeah.
2: This one, we <laughs> tried to simplify this one a little bit, even uh, for my understanding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, I would go. Uh, so again, tweet to at the Big Spur pod at Sawyer Knicks. What makes you thankful for the show? Or what, what about the show makes you thankful? Uh, basically, just, you know, I guess. And look, we didn't come up with that. Me and Phil didn't sit around and go, you know, I'm in need, I'm in need of some praise. <laughs> Let's run a contest <laughs> and hijack Thanksgiving. No, that was Sawyer's idea. So No, nah, we're um, just
2: emphasizing, yeah, Sawyer's uh inflection on gratitude.
1: Yeah, there's a method to his madness, folks. That's why he's got the mental edge and we don't. Um, and uh lots of talk about that. I, I think we've kind of gotten into the play calling thing. Uh Lady Bree adds, I'll give you this, JC. The first half of the Florida look different than the second. I put more on play calling in the first, more on players in the second. For sure, Sat needs to have a better game. Um, well, yeah, I think and, – and I think that, that kills you when you get off that kind of start and you don't give your team the opportunity. But, I, I mean, I'll give you this point. Um, in the second half, when you have those three turnovers, you know, I mean, I, I, do, I did see them trying to go downfield a little more and do some of the different things. Uh, my point of contention is, you know – you had that Vandy game. Why didn't you, why didn't you take the same approach? Uh, yeah. And that's v- what
2: we've been saying all year, JC, is that it's just, it's, it's not very cohesive. You know, yeah. you, you never yeah. know what you're going to get every week. Well, and that the, is not how you do this.
1: The biggest problem I've heard uh, from contacts about it is I don't understand why they re- we try to reinvent the wheel every week. That that's, it has been that way for 20 something games. Um, I don't think they tried to reinvent the wheel for Tennessee. I think they went through, did some self-scouting, picked out what they're good at running in practice, what Spencer's comfortable with, and they, they rock and roll. You know, what everybody's comfortable with. And and it looked different because there were kind of some different – I mean, you know, like that first pass of the game to Trey Kenyon. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard his name since Georgia, right? <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Um, you know, there you go. Well, great. That's a great play and and all that. And I thought <laughs> – You know, my biggest point of contention, above and beyond the play calling or the the scheme or the complexity of it, has been personnel use. I think against Vandy and and Tennessee, they used their personnel correctly. I thought, and I thought it was actually an advantage. Um, So we'll see, sort of, what happens. Um, Lady Bree says she wasn't impressed with the Vandy game. Uh, I wasn't the first half. Second half got really ugly with the penalties and stuff. But you know, it, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to go downtown and throw it and all that good stuff.
2: Well, I think um, seeing what Vanderbilt did after playing us should kind of brings a bit more of an impressive light onto the performance that we gave them because that's what yeah. has been bubbling up inside of Andy all year long is to jump up and, and trip some
1: people up. And I'm telling you what, Mike Wright, their quarterback's going to be a handful mm-hmm. in the year or year. I think he'll be a senior next year for Vanderbilt. And I think, I think their OC does a fantastic, a fantastic job. And they attacked Florida kind of like South Carolina should have. Now I'll flip, I'll flip this around. Uh, Cause I, I know lady Bree, um, you know, talks about the defense and, and stuff like that uh, a lot. Uh, I thought Mandy had a much better plan against Florida on defense than South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> I think the Gamecocks in that game at Florida should have sold out to stop the run at all costs, uh, and then put their put their uh, DBs on an island uh, against Florida's receivers, which are not great, uh, and let Richardson beat you through the air. Richardson throws for four hundred against Vandy, and they still lost. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the kind of that, that's kind of the thing uh, right there. And I also will mention this. South Carolina, personnel package-wise, that's not formations. It's personnel packages. Uh, Tim Tebow mentioned that Rattler told him at 20 different personnel packages uh, against Florida. They scaled that back tremendously. And personnel packages, I mean, like, substitutions, things like that. Uh, as I said, Carolina's blessed with some versatile guys. They can run different formations with the same guys and, and, and the same plays out of different formations, etc. It's fascinating stuff to get into. Um, I just know it worked, and, and I know that if I were Shane Beamer, uh, I would be in the offensive meeting this week, saying, "Just keep doing that,
2: just whatever, keep
0: doing you it. Know, yeah. put,
1: put, put a little wrinkles, put a little, put, put wrinkles in it, do whatever." And I'm in the defensive uh meeting, going, "Listen, you guys, you failed miserably to stop the run last year. This year, we got to sell out to do it. You know, and if DJ beats you, I can't pronounce his last name, that's why I just say DJ." Uh, and I'm not trying to make Clemson people mad. If DJ throws for 500 yards and they win, so be it. So
2: be it. Yeah, so I can be, live with that result. So yeah, I can be live it. With but, that.
1: but they got in a lot of people up in, around the line of scrimmage and uh, things <laughs> like that. So we will be, uh, you know, uh, I, I think that that's that that would be what I would do in that situation. All right, the show The show. The show. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, second hour, more Nana Sports chat box. Got some uh, mailbag questions to get into. Uh, Saxman SC on Twitter with, with a snarky comment about my uh, article. He's like, it takes real insight to watch the write the obvious. And I, I look at all these guys. All this guy's tweet. He's a music and sales consultant. Uh, blah 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 blah. Elon Musk blah blah blah. Yeah, why does Leggett keep dropping passes? Blah blah blah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, some people get on Twitter. I think I think it's kind of their release, just a gripe and yeah, take just shots, let it the, out like a purge. Those people are <laughs> called losers. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll be back after these messages um, inside the game. Across the show. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die. Our Gamecock fan has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email Sirfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners. Uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker King.
3: Gamecocks
0: family. how can i help you
1: hey man are you sick and tired of your business computer guy
2: yes he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests
1: yeah same here i'm paying him good money i constantly have issues and i'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly 1001 is matt's contact number
2: yeah man i sure do that or you can go to heritagedigital.com digital.com
1: man i hear they do a no-cost assessment boy this will help me yeah I bet <laughs> i'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same heritage digital 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of inside the game cox the show
3: What's up, this is Johnny Bell with the Gamecocks, and you are now
2: listening to Inside the Gamecocks show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at a Burgesson. that's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at remax.net. And that was... Kind of trying to comb through Twitter here, JC, to see if we could find some stuff. I saw the one you mentioned earlier. I don't know who this guy is, and yeah, he doesn't really put anything out there <laughs> that you can figure out who he is. <laughs> I, I just yeah, think he's no a clown. Picture. No name, just a clown. <laughs>
3: whatever, whatever clown. Whatever clown.
2: clown.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: Mm -hmm. I thought Gamecock Pastor had one in here. Yeah, he's got one right here. I've got it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one about Lloyd.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so if Lloyd is healthy enough to play next week, how do you see Sat integrating him into the game plan while maintaining the aggression they used on Saturday? Give Bells carries to Lloyd. This is under the assumption we stay aggressive against Sucks. At the big pod,
1: yeah. Oh, I, I, I think Lloyd fits perfectly into that kind of offense. I mean, I thought so too. You'll have a lot more room to run. I mean, you know, uh, or that type. Of, I keep saying not like it's a different offense that into those play into, into that style. Let me just call it a style of play. How about that? Into that style of play, that aggressive mindset. Um, and I do think you still need to run Bell. Uh, I think you also. Uh keep throwing it the bell out of the backfield like he did. Again, I'm gonna say this. Uh um it, it, it's a situation where even if Lloyd plays, I don't know how like many carries he's gonna be able to, to do. Um, even if the bruise is kind of fine, uh just because he hadn't played in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Uh like when was the Missouri game, Phil? End of October. Yeah.
2: yeah, it was the last game
1: in the October. Last game you know. of October, so we're we're going on a month where he hadn't played. Uh, you kind of get out of game shape doing that, even though you're still working out and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I would I would think that if he were back and ready to go, great. But I do think you're still going to have to use Jahim quite a bit, Juju, and whoever else, uh, just because I don't know how many carries uh, Lloyd will be able to do, and, and you know, before getting winded and things of that nature. So. Uh, but heck yeah, you can use him because the guy, you know, especially if he's in a rhythm like he has been, I mean, he's got so much natural ability to make people miss and get up field, uh, and stuff like that. He, he, he brings you something else, uh, that even with the collection of athletes or whatever players, uh, that was on display against Tennessee, Lloyd's a different animal than that. So I, I would be, uh, I would just say stick him in there. Let's roll, you know, if, if I'm the Gamecocks, mm-hmm. uh, if that's the case. Um, so that would that would be it. Thanks, Gamecock Pastor. Hope you're hanging in there. And-
2: yeah, oh, man. Oh, man.
1: Um, Rally Package <laughs> says, Rally Package Enthusiast, that's a heck of a name. Uh, is this a trap game for Tennessee? Hear me out. I think it could be. Uh, it's at home. Tennessee had not had many true road games. Pick us by three. slim chance. It's a competitive ball game. More like Hyatt catches five touchdowns and they destroy us. Well, kind of just the opposite happened. And he said, "Not going to say I predicted because I didn't, but it was running through my mind." I mean, I'll tell you this: like game day, I started kind of sitting there thinking, "Well, you know, Carolina could probably, and, and, and maybe it's just like on game day, uh, I was a uh, you know maybe I'm more of a fan." And I'm not thinking about it objectively. I'm not going to talk myself into it. But I, I kind of started thinking in the lead-up to the game, I'm like, man, a lot of crazy stuff's happened today. Uh, I didn't expect Illinois to go in and play Michigan uh, off their feet. I, I didn't expect Georgia to only put up 16 against Kentucky, although that was a brutally ugly game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't expect Vandy to beat Florida. And so I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, t- teams change so much week to week. You know, maybe maybe Tennessee stumbles, and maybe they maybe maybe the Gamecocks can hang with them for a half. Um, and I wasn't really concerned when uh, when 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 Carolina uh, when the lead ended up being like four uh, yeah. in the second half. Uh, and I think it's because of that stat. is not it feel that there have not been any lead changes this year in any Carolina game at all?
0: Yeah, or, no. or, or was
1: it SEC SEC
2: NCC. It's yeah SEC because yeah Georgia
1: State and Charlotte both had early leads, uh, but yeah SEC wise, no lead changes, none. Yeah, so maybe that's why I just kind of said, well, they're up. So mm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know, yeah, you started hot, and you're just like, well, there we go, <laughs> and it just kept you know? coming and kept coming and kept coming. And, and one thing, one thing I will
1: say about this offense, uh. And uh, as far as uh, what it's been, uh, is, is, I'll, I'll tell you this, even if it's just running the ball like they do in most games um, and the other team can't stop it. Uh, and this is the first game, by the way, under Marcus Satterfield that Carolina has not run crazy uh, mm-hmm. over the other team and had, had a great day on offense. Uh, once it gets going, it, it, they, they usually get, get going. You can usually tell. You know, when the offense gets going, it gets going. Um, you know, Auburn last year was a comebacker. Uh, Gamecocks kind of came to life after being down 14 nothing. But other than that, you know, once the offense gets going, you know, if, if, if you get into the second, third quarter and they're still moving the ball, you know, there's a chance they're going to continue to move it most of the time. Most of the time. So, you know, um, Daddy O says everybody can just block the troll and you'll never see their comments, but they don't realize they're blocked. Just talking to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> ah, not going to block that. A uh, no. hunter goat from pro one hundred and thirtieth in pass defense. Is South Carolina one hundred and thirtieth in pass defense?
0: Oh, Tennessee. To talk
2: about Tennessee.
1: Oh yeah, Ten- Clemson's what fifty first, but I don't think gonna take sixty three to win the game on either side, so, you know.
2: (laughs) I I, I don't know. I mean, you know, and he's probably looking at the current week, which is, a you know, factoring in what we did to them. What was it before we rolled in there?
1: Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's past defense has been like 110th or so uh, in the country. Uh, They have not been good, but they've had a top 15 total defense, right, because they don't let teams run the ball. Carolina actually ran it okay. How many it yards?
2: Effective. How? Yeah, no, that yeah. was that's the whole key to it, is just being effective.
1: <laughs> yeah, Carolina had about 153 rushing yards in the game. So that was that's pretty good game on the ground. You can't be one dimensional against anybody, I don't mm-hmm. think. Carolina Titans said uh you could tell Rattler was feeling when he stiff on the guy for the first down. Absolutely. AJM says, I didn't realize they were bat that bad. Tennessee defensive stat is concerning. Well, go back – you know, I agree that wasn't a great past event statistically at all, but go back and listen to the interview with Wes Rucker last week. Uh, he'll explain kind of why. Uh, and go look at their games. I mean, LSU didn't throw it all over them, did they? they scored a bunch of points. Uh no. Georgia only scored 27. Uh, Missouri only scored 24. And game um,
2: script plays a lot into that too, especially when you're talking about rankings, you know, talking about statistics and percentages. Like teams get down early against Tennessee and have to abandon the run. So, therefore, they're running a higher percentage of pass plays. Thus, you have a higher percentage of passing yards against your defense. So, it's, uh-huh. not their yeah. it's just that this game script, you know, begs a lot of that happen.
1: Well, and you run, you run a lot of play. Teams run a lot of plays against Tennessee because they go so fast, you probably get mm-hmm. two three extra possessions uh, <laughs> that you don't normally get. But, uh, look, man, I'm not saying Tennessee – uh, look, I, I'll be honest. If I were a Tennessee people, uh, Tennessee person, people like Kamal Haddon and Jamal McCullough and that crew back there, uh, I would be very disappointed in them because a lot of those guys have talent. Mm-hmm. And they just <laughs> – Flagellated just, all over the field. Yeah,
2: they did. Yeah, I mean, yep. they, they didn't
1: respond. The Gamecocks beat their butt, the Gamecocks receivers. Um,
2: and here's the other thing, JC, is we've played poor secondaries before and teams that have given up, you know, huge amounts of air yards, and we have not been able to take advantage of it. Yeah. But we did. Exactly.
0: This-
1: <laughs> AJM says Phil's thoughts are fair on Game GameStrip, but – but isn't the difference between decent and hundred and thirtieth? Well, well, they're hundred and thirtieth because Carolina threw for four hundred and thirty-eight yards yeah. on them. Uh, other teams have, this have, week. We, we yeah. just <laughs> we just clearly explained why there. And West, if you don't believe us, believe the ball Insider we had on last week. Uh, I'm not saying they're good pass defense. I'm not. No, uh, no. but what I'm saying is. You know, they're not the worst in the – I mean, I, I think their past defense this year, and I've watched them play a lot, uh, is probably better than Arkansas's. You know, I, I think if Tennessee played Arkansas right now or, or even after Arkansas did well with K.J. coming back, they would probably throw for 700. No, mm-hmm. they throw, throw for about five, you know. Um, so, I, uh, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, Alabama threw all over them. LSU did not. Kentucky, Kentucky only scored six with the, the mighty uh, NFL, you know, yeah. <laughs> top five pick Will Levis and, and, and all those guys we talked about. So, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe said they're currently 87 in yards per pass attempt after what we just did. Um, Trone says, hey, JC and Phil, good to be back. Quick fact, most points scored by an unranked team against a top five team ever. Mm-hmm. Wow. College football history, huh?
2: Yep. Ever I think it's yeah, ever since the AP era. So, yeah, might, might as well be. <laughs> the
1: AP's been around for a good hot minute. Gamecocks make history. College football history, not just Carolina history. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's the deal. That's the deal. Tiffany asked, did we recruit and have uh, McCullough at one point? It Man, it was one of those things where it. Carolina was kind of the early favorite, but then he started visiting Tennessee a lot. Uh, and Tennessee, I think Chuck Kelly, who's at uh, Alabama now, uh, he has some connections to Cobb County. That's where Jamal's from, I think. Uh, and he was on that staff. And Tennessee, by the time he went there, Carolina was completely out of uh, but, yeah, he was a, a much-talked-about recruit, and there were crystal balls in for the Gamecocks. Um, Trung says, seems like every week we're feeling good, and we lay an egg, and we feel like crap. And when we feel like crap, we win, huh? I agree with that, the up-and-down nature. And that's got to change at some point. You yeah, know, you can't keep going. And, I, and, and in my column today on the big spur, I went back and, and pointed out a lot of times where it goes from high to low real quick. Starting with the 2017 Kentucky game, uh rolling on through to the 2018 Florida game, rolling on through the 2019 Florida game. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll go I'll go call the 2020 LSU game uh one of those. Uh because Carolina beat Auburn. LSU's average grits and playing a daggum backup quarterback with Coach O at the at the helm. We're gonna beat South Carolina with TJ Finley. He's gonna He's going to complete 80% of his passes. Yeah, sure. Who thought that was coming? Uh, That was a letdown and caused everything to spiral. Last year, uh, Missouri on the road after beating Florida like they did, and everybody was stunned. Uh, And then Clemson after you beat Auburn. uh, And it wasn't so much Clemson won the game as it was the manner in which they did. We basically, then that's my thing for this weekend. At a minimum, I would just like to not watch the same damn game between Clemson and South Carolina that I've watched for six years. It's the sure. same thing. It's dominant <laughs> Carolina can't move it. Clemson can't be stopped. Uh, you know there were was the one exception that one year, but it, it just it's it, it, it's it's you know. And the only year I can really say that I think it was more of a mismatch than it should have been. Well, there's two years. I think 2017 that team. You know, that defense that year caused a lot of turnovers. I don't think Clemson under, with Kelly Bryant at quarterback was very good. They were hitting their stride at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina had some injuries. Big surprise. Uh, Jake threw the pick six early, and, and then they rolled. Uh, and, and Carolina's defense played way out of control that game. It wasn't like them. I, I think Carolina could have been in that game. Um, I'll go with uh, last year, too. Uh, I think that I thought that game – uh, when all was said and done, uh, could have ended up kind of like uh, Clemson's Cheez It Bowl win, right? Mm-hmm. Against Iowa State last year, like a twenty to thirteen esque type of deal. Maybe Clemson turns it over because you know, Clemson will turn the ball over, um, you know. And uh, and that was disappointing because it wasn't. It was the same. We're going to We're Clemson. We're going to line up against you and run it up your throat. Uh, we're going to complete timely passes, and we're going to keep you from crossing the 50. <laughs> same formula. A different staff, different year, different players, same formula. They win. And I guarantee you they're looking to do the same thing Saturday. Contrestle says I think Carolina will play loose Saturday if they withstand the first half storm and have it within 10, they'll win. Yeah. Uh, Brian points out, Mitch Jeter scored nine points and never even kicked a field goal. <laughs> Love that stat of the year. Love uh, Rick says, what do our chances look like if the weather's sloppy? Uh Usually when it's raining, you know, you don't want win, but when it's raining uh coaches have talked about how it actually favor the pad game offense because your receivers know where they're going and the DBs don't, you know, in other words, so the DBs will slip a little bit and boom, you can get something like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know who the usually when, when you talk about the weather first and foremost, it's usually good weather. And when we're sitting, if we're talking about like Tuesday, bad weather for Saturday, mm-hmm. and then it's like, nah, nah, it ends up being good. Uh, and then, you know, usually it doesn't impact the game game at all, but, uh, Carolina's played some rainy games up at, at Memorial stadium. I think 92 Tanny Hill signed his name on the field. They, they, uh, and then they broke a streak that day with Sparky Woods so
2: hmm.
1: we'll see uh, John says from the Pacific Northwest if this game is in the fourth quarter all the pressure will be on Clemson not us I agree
2: So, this whole game is us playing with house money. yeah because <laughs> now it's like it's the same situation for Clemson as it was for Tennessee you you have to win impressively to make your mark and put a statement on this game for the committee because you are not guaranteed a spot in the final four, Um, especially now. Oh, my goodness. Think about all the scenarios that could play out now after what happened this past weekend. <laughs> but yeah, yeah they, they yeah. need a resounding win to firmly seal that up. And then, of course, you know, do whatever they're going to do to North Carolina. Getting
1: North Carolina losing was bad for them.
2: Yeah, it you was know, real bad. <laughs> about
1: the, the playoff goes, because, you know, you're – North Carolina, I mean, you're obviously playing for an ACC title. North Carolina's probably going to be at least a 9, maybe a 10-win team. I don't know if they'll beat NC State or not. But uh, if they were 11-1, and one, I think that would be a big difference. Well, now you got Southern Cal, assuming they beat Notre Dame. Um, they're going to be going to play probably Oregon, assuming they beat the Beavers. Uh, and, and that'll be kind of considered a more impressive win. Uh, and, and all that good stuff, so um, it should be interesting. I'm for chinocks or chonk. I'm for chonk, chonk. Like, is this like a Goonies reference, chonk or chunk? Is it chime much? I'm, I'm for chunk. I'm for What's the normal chunk. game kind of comes to hey fan ration? I love chunk. I love that movie. I do too, man. (laughs) great. (laughs) One eyed (laughs) Mm -hmm. Willie. Normal game got the eclipse of fan ratio when they played Death Valley. It's less than, well, it's kind of less than it used to be. It used to be 12,000 for each at at the opposing stadiums. Now they, I guess, 10,000 is the ticket a lot, but maybe eight. It's gotten less for both teams as time has moved on. But uh, I think there could be ten thousand Gamecocks in the stands. I mean, I, I, like, like you know, like maybe said and Phil said, they're playing with house money at this point. It was an exciting game last week. There's momentum. Carolina has a shot to go win. Um, you know, uh, most of the time when those are the circumstances, Carolina shows up pretty big at Clemson, and and, it, and it's also, you know, it's also I think the fir- this first time in four years they've played there. Because remember, there was no 2020, 2020 game. 2020, yeah, no game. Yeah, mm-hmm. First time in four years they played it, Memorial Stadium. Um, Trunk says my point was how we can't find some consistency no matter if we win or not just be competitive in games we do lose. Yeah, I, that, that's a, the that's a next step for the program under Beamer mm-hmm. is to find that consistency. And I think, quite frankly, it starts with the offense and the game planning on offense. So we shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh Lady Bream remembers I remember the 92 game like it was this year. Oh wait, I watched it this year. <laughs> <laughs> was a, yeah, it's on YouTube. I was I was a happy, happy individual that day. I was in I was in high school, I guess. Um mm-hmm. Clemson I uh, see during that stretch, it was kind of like a decline period for Clemson because they were 89. They beat Carolina 45-nothing at Williams Price, and that was when Dicky DeMaze was the quarterback. Ellis had gotten hurt, and that team just lost it after Todd got hurt. Sparky's first year. And then the next year, 90, they they gave him a game. It was like 24-15, and that was during Hatfield's first year. Uh, 91 was like 41-24, competitive but not that great. Yeah. Um, and then 92, kind of the – that's that was Hatfield's second to last year, and they went five and six. They had a tough season. Uh, and Carolina went up there and, and smacked him 24-13. That was, that was the year that uh, Tannehill took over, and Carolina was a five-point loss at the Swamp. I, I don't understand how that Carolina team against Steve Spurrier in Florida in 1992 lost 14-9. to nine. How did the Gamecocks defense hold them to 14 points? I mean, even, even though the Gamecocks played really good defense down the stretch and had some good players – uh, anyway, so the game went up there and won, and everybody's fired up, and Sparky goes to Georgia, and the opener the next year, and that's when Brandon Bennett went over the top, and, and, and Munson was like, Aaron Inverted Wishbone, the power I think, and Tanny was up to the lay down, you dogs. Lay down. And it broke our hearts with two seconds to go. We couldn't stay on the ground long enough. And then the bottom fell out. <laughs> Uh, because everybody was like, Yay, Sparky. It, it was year five, and boy, it, they were Alabama was coming to town a couple weeks, and all of a sudden, boom, Carolina loses by a point at Arkansas. And Danny Ford the next week uh, lost by four on a Thursday night game at home against Kentucky, and their backup quarterback who ran the option. By the time the Bama game got there, it was 17 six. I mean, and they were just lost, and they finished four and seven. Sparky got fired, Brad Scott got hired. Sparky left Brad a pretty good team, and then they won their first bowl game. Um, Ricks, uh, uh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Quantrell ask any news on Edwin Joseph and what position he'll play? Heck of a game to attend. Yeah, They want him as a receiver, really fast player, South Florida guy. Give me all the guys from South Florida that can run I can get. Uh, he's got Auburn, visit Auburn, kind of Louisville. Uh, I think Carolina's in pretty good shape with South Florida kids, man. And and if they don't have like Florida and Miami offers or FSU or even like they, they'll go wherever. I mean, it's, I'm not saying they're mercenaries, but uh, you can, you actually can get, you know, a lot of good athletes just kind of recruiting against Louisville and those schools down there. Um Daddy O points out Carolina and Clemson both have fumbled the ball twenty-one times each. Yeah, t- t- Tigers will turn it over.
2: Yep, they do. They do.
1: Tigers will turn. Now they're it
2: over. turn you over too. That's the other thing. <laughs> that is a good defense.
1: AGM two says we returned a large portion of our allotment. Was that a, that was a rumor? Somebody said somebody found out if that was true because it was a rumor that they returned it. People were talking about it, and then I got an email from USC saying, hey, buy Clemson tickets. They're on sale. Uh, And so they still had them after the – so USC was still selling Clemson tickets after they allegedly returned uh, a big bunch of their allotments. So I don't know. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if that happened just because of kind of the way the seasons were going, but that's kind of the deal there. Uh, Somebody find out the facts on that. Let's uh, let's have the facts about uh, that. Um, David says, walking around work in Savannah, Georgia. All my Bulldog friends are saying Beamer ball is amazing. Um, yeah, I had, I had a few phone calls from some Georgia friends on Saturday, (laughs) too, because they didn't want to play Tennessee again. Uh, I think they felt fortunate (laughs) and didn't really want to match up with them again in a playoff. And if you think about it, Phil, if I'm Georgia, I don't want to do that either, because, okay, so you stopped them and you had a really good game doing it and it's not easy to do. And then if you wait a month to like a semifinal, right? Mm -hmm. You know.
2: You give them all that extra game plan time. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be
1: harder to kind of get locked in on it. So Get healthy. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Kaki Gaming says, I'd love a USC versus Southern Cal bowl game. So many storylines, battle over the trademark, et cetera. Yeah, they – I think SC probably Rose Bowl bound if they don't make the playoff. I yeah. think so. That's but Notre Dame. Heck, I, Notre Dame played Notre Dame since nineteen
2: eighty four. Yeah, I'd like that. That'd be great, you know, play, play another premier program, you know, one of the biggest brands in college football.
1: One of the biggest sports brands, I think, in the world, Phil. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, no. you know, Notre Dame football is synonymous with American football. You can go anywhere in the world. They're like, American college football. Oh, Notre Dame, Gipper. Oh, yeah. Irish, yeah, the Gipper. So go out there and win one for the Gipper. Win one for the
2: Gipper. <laughs> Rudy, I mean, you know, yeah, everybody knows Notre Dame.
1: Mm-hmm. As I move my there he is. my Rudy. iconic picture of Rudy with a cold draft beer. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, we'll be back. All right, Trunk has a question about Carolina Rise. Uh, can you explain how Carolina Rise works in terms of NIL? Because I am thinking about contributing what I can. We'd love to have you, Trunk. To go to carolinarisemembers.com or CarolinaRise.com. Uh, the 1801 Club is awesome. It's $18.01 a month. We're, we're trying to get 2,500 of those in. Uh, you get a magnet and a koozie you know, just to, and a Christmas card and all that happiness. So what we do, you guys are like members of uh, Carolina Rise, and there's different uh, benefits that will take place. Like we're going to have a tailgate, and, you know, as we continue to grow, there'll be more, you know, prizes, gifts, whatever for you guys. Uh, and, and then we take that money. I don't make any money off of it. Neither does my brother who co-owns it. Uh, and we go and facilitate promotional deals uh for student athletes at, at South Carolina. You, you see you see the Jaheem Bell commercial here, you know, we paid him for that. Uh Gigi Jackson is one of our clients. Um, you know, we've paid him for some for, for some promotional stuff, and it's uh it's worked out well. Um, you know, I think that uh uh if I could get maybe $100,000 annually more coming in, which is not, when you kind of break it down per person, that's not a whole bunch. Uh, You're talking hundreds, not thousands. Uh, I think it would be pretty significant in terms of contributing to the NIL situation in South Carolina. So carolinarisemembers.com, carolinarise.com would love to have you uh, trump, definitely. Give what you can. And you can also, if you don't want to give monthly, there's a one-time thing. You want to just give a hundred bucks for the year, uh, same membership benefits uh, and, and all that good stuff. Oh, AJM says a quick search reveals the source of their allotment return story was Don Munson, their radio guy. who I assume is a reliable source on what's happening inside Clemson's athletic department. Yes, but guess what? Uh, my question would be why he, he reports this, but then two days later, why is South Carolina still selling Clemson tickets? Logic, right? Logic. Uh, but, yeah, it would be disappointing if the Gamecocks returned tickets, and I bet people regret it now. So we'll see. But I don't I don't trust Don. I don't trust that uh, coming out from there. Uh, I don't. Um, uh, just based on the fact that USC was selling them two days after that happened. Uh, if I didn't get that email, I'd say, yeah, it's probably bad. Um, So, anyway, we'll be back. Final break inside the Gamecocks, the show, after these messages.
3: Gamecocks.
0: These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you?
1: Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes,
2: he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
1: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. one zero zero one is matt's contact number
2: yeah man i sure do that or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
1: man i hear they do a no-cost assessment boy this will help me yeah i bet <laughs> i'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same heritage digital 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of inside the game cox the show hey folks jc here i've told you about nana's porch over and over again they sponsor our chat box on the show uh don't take my word for it though i wanted you to hear from gamecock pitcher noah hall about our sponsor nana's porch nana's porch.com go there food truck catering whatever you need uh take it away noah
2: what's up gamecock fans this is pitcher noah hall if you want some delicious food for your event i suggest visiting com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern Cuisine based out of Charlotte,
1: my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and Go Nanas. Uh this is Coach O. Now back to the show. Go tigers and the soul. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. Well, well, well. Welcome back to the show, everybody. (laughs) Second hour of the show brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call for all your uh, commercial or investment real estate needs. Uh, Shoot them an email at aburgesson, that's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at remax.net. I'm still trying to dig into this ticket allotment thing, J.C. I don't know. I, who cares? We're going to
1: show up.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at
1: it, and uh, I, I don't know. A.G.M. 2 says maybe he's a liar. I don't, I don't know that anybody's a liar. I think people hear things and get things wrong. Maybe both could be right, because maybe South Carolina, somebody called up and said, hey, we're probably going to be sending some tickets back to you. And – uh so then it leaked, right? Because, you know, anything to make South Carolina look bad on, on, from those folks' ends, even though they don't really – based on their success, they don't need to, but that's fine. Um, I uh, Maybe they leaked it, so then Carolina was like, well, shoot, let's try to sell them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so that's what happened. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I I don't blame Carolina fans for not gobbling up those tickets uh, after the Missouri game. <laughs> You know, uh, just to be honest. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, All right, David Cloninger, who is our good friend, and got to get him back on soon. I'm going to make a mental note of that. Um, Hmm. Spencer Rattler, press conference today. Success last Saturday was due to less personnel groupings. Tempo stayed up. Didn't substitute as much.
2: For the love of God, if we haven't been saying that for 10 straight weeks. No, I take that back. 23 straight weeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So so there you go. Uh, And like I said, I I misspoke. I said it was a different offense. Uh, It's not because, you know, when you got a playbook that vast, you can really look different week to week. Yeah, you could (laughs) Um, have
2: like five or six different
1: offenses. (laughs) But but, but that's what they did. They scaled back the operational aspects of it. And I, I think in college you have to do that. I don't know of a single program uh around the country that's successful going we're gonna run 175 personnel groupings you know <laughs> in and out like they were doing because it does rattler's right it slows you down it gets and and even with all that spencer Rattler's is not the quarterback to do it i mean you know maybe he could do it with a stetson bennett in his fourth or fifth year but that's not rattler's game uh and so hey there you go uh Dabo Sweeney also kind of had something funny um well the thing
2: i found interesting about what we saw saturday jc is that spencer rattler had his best game as a gamecock had arguably the best quarterback performance in the gamecock uniform uh and didn't take all the snaps yeah how about that i like
1: i like it i like how they use joiner I
2: know. I, I, I mean, it's it just – we could have been doing this
1: all freaking year. Call me, call me crazy. I think that that helps him. But yeah. at the same time with the Joiner thing, you can't do what you did against Georgia on a key down uh, when, Ooh. you know, it's game three and everybody that saw you do it last year during the regular season until the bowl game knows that he's going to keep it. I mean, Georgia sniffed that out. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it, like I said with Joiner, it's a package, not just a single play. It's a package. And they, they put him in there, two, three plays, and they rock and roll. Um, and Sweeney said something funny in his press conference today. I have to I have to give him props for this. Uh, Sweeney was asked by a TV reporter why he embraces the rivalry concept, rivalry week, when others downplay rivalries. And he goes, because I grew up in Alabama. Where'd you grow up? And she goes, Chicago. And he, and he goes, there you go.
0: <laughs> That's
1: true, man. Ain't nobody getting fired up about Illinois Northwestern up here this week, man. <laughs> the dang Wildcat fans aren't sitting, All right, God, I got it, hope we beat the dang Illini, you know. Mm. Uh, okay, but Brett yeah. so, Uh <laughs> Spencer Rattler also falls on the stuffing side of the stuffing versus dressing debate. Mm. I think we have to have some stuffing. Uh, we're going to probably do Cornish Hens, Cornish Game Hens.
2: I'm making dressing them, I do the whole thing. You know, we get the family together, as many as can show up, and host it here at the house, man. And and just, I love it. I, I start cooking. I'm actually going to start cooking as soon as we get off the air today.
1: <laughs> so, so it's your show, huh? I just, yes, so I've, I've never known that.
2: I've I am up, not oh. just uh, Mike Leach making the gravy. I make it up.
1: Yep. All- <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I make the I like the gravy. Uh the gravy's kind of my thing. Uh I do the gravy. <laughs> it's
2: really great, man. Me and the missus will wake up early, you know, Thursday and be in there and we'll cook all day long, just together, you know, getting to spend time together. It's it's a really fun, it's really great.
1: We did that last year for Christmas. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember what we did on Thanksgiving last year. <laughs> kind of maybe shows you what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe no, there's, no. My there's my answer but uh no uh I, I, well christmas we did the whole thing we did we got a honey baked ham right and uh now two years ago nat cooked turkey and all that stuff and i made like southern green beans i made this stuff called russian salad uh we did it all then we took it to her parents house uh by the way they're buddhist and don't even celebrate christmas but that's beside the point what are you gonna do you know <laughs> hell it's christmas you know uh and uh and that's uh that's the deal but uh yeah she made dressing i think she got my mom's dressing recipe uh, but i don't know it's gonna be low key because it's just us and you don't want to make all that food and no that's a know. lot for two people yeah man. it's a lot for two people so we're we're looking at doing a Cornish game hen which is a little tiny football size Chicken <laughs> with some stuffing and you know, Salt maybe ball some chicken
2: mac and cheese, yeah.
1: something like that. Uh so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that and all that. One of these one of these years I'm gonna get back to South Carolina and go feast at my mother's house. Um so I, I'm not sure. Uh all right. <laughs> David Los Bravos Cloninger. Look forward to hearing him on the show. Yeah, blind squirrel, he's funny.
3: I mean, yeah, we've had it on twice. The
1: first time is uh, was really good. It was a season outlook. The second time he, he talked about that article he read about Mike Grosso, GameCop basketball history. And he just got like a really good sense of humor and uh, has been on the beat for a long time. So he's got a lot of stories. AJM too says Alabama's played in the Rose Bolts in their fight song. That's true. Um, uh, well, that harkens Georgia. back to a different era, though, you know. <laughs> they Yeah, Georgia played it. Bama played it. Actually, now, do you count the – right, so Auburn went to the BCS National Championship game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at the Rose Bowl, but it wasn't really the Rose Bowl. So do you count not know if you count that or not. I don't um, think
2: you do because they played a game prior – what, the week prior to that. Yeah, you know, and they yeah. called it the Rose
1: Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas has played in it. Oklahoma's played in it for sure. Man, Or is Arkansas? LSU maybe been to the Rose Bowl? I don't know. Florida Florida missed their chance at one when they lost yep. to Tennessee. Then Tennessee lost to LSU and the SEC got shut out. Um, you know, so Cocky uh, says, so all those teams played in it before the SEC was created. The SEC came along in like the, the early 50s because it used to all be everybody used to be in the Southern Conference, man. Right, SoCon. (laughs) SoCon. Everybody was in the SoCon. Georgia was in the SoCon. Clemson, Carolina. It was this gigantic conference, and the teams to the east of the Appalachian Mountains uh, went with um, the ACC uh, and formed the ACC, and then the teams to the west formed the SEC, and then they had uh, Georgia Tech, uh, obviously Georgia. Tulane was in the SEC. A little school up in the hills of Tennessee called Sewanee, the University of the South. They were in the SEC in the 30s or in the the 20s or whatever. But uh, they kind of split off. I'm not maybe – wait a minute. The SEC maybe would have split off earlier than the ACC. I know Carolina was a charter member of the ACC uh, and joined in 1953. Um, so maybe Carolina stayed in the maybe those teams stayed in the SoCon when the SEC broke off because Sewanee and Tulane were in the SEC and they played in the 30s. So I'm probably mistaken on that date, but that that's kind of the story there. Uh, VJ says, has there been a USC USC in modern college football history?" Yes, twice actually. Mm-hmm. I think in either '80 or '79, George Rogers uh, and the group went out and lost a close one in LA to the Trojans, and then the first sign of life under Joe Moe, uh, 83, uh, the Trojans came to Carolina and got beat, 38-14, and if I'm not mistaken, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's the first time they did 2001. I know it was that year. I know it was 83, Uh, but, yeah, Carolina beat the crap out of Southern Cal uh, in 83, 38-14, so – there has been an SC versus SC. Uh, all right. Daddy says, Bama, Tennessee, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tulane have all played in the Rose Bowl, and Duke. Mm. Duke used to be a powerhouse. Heck, they're pretty good now. Yeah. That's, did all right uh, this year. <laughs> Lady, Lady Reese says, it's hard to track all the history. At some point, you have to say the modern era and move on. Yeah. I, uh, I tend to – I, I kind of scope everything out, like, with Carolina, like the the Paul Dietzel era, uh, which started in the in the '60s, uh, is kind of where I. And honest to God, that's the first time the University of South Carolina acted like they cared about football. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. which kind of makes you—it's you know, probably a reason why you're not that good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the to the game, the yeah. To the uh, they hired Dietzel. He was a uh, head coach at Army. He had been at LSU and won a national championship. It was a big time hire. He came in, redid some facilities, stuff like that. You know, before that, it was like your Marvin Basses of the world. And, mm. You know, Rex Enright had a pretty good run and some stuff like that. But uh, I kind of, when I think, let's say modern era, I'll start with detail. Now, uh, the lifetime era for me started in 86, which I have to almost go back to 80 to really get it going um, because. Doesn't make any sense to start in '86 unless you're just a huge Todd Ellis fan because that was his mm. first year playing. I was there for all '73 and we oh, oh
0: no, hurt
1: me. <laughs> um, so uh, no wonder
2: he says hurt me so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was really happy for Tommy and Todd. Uh, you know, just listening to the callback of that game. You mean, I guys,
2: did. I to some of the radio stuff, man. They were having a blast. It it must have been. It, w- it they, would have been awesome to be in that box. They have
1: a difficult job, man. You yeah, know, they do. A difficult job. So, Sean says before George and after George. That's fair. Um, And, and do, then, like, there's the SEC era, which started in 92. And A lot of times when I'm writing or talking about something, I'll, I'll reference that. Um, And then, like, 2000 started the – uh the new era of Carolina football, quite frankly. I mean, you know, this is a program that everybody was happy to get to a bowl most years, right? One ten win season. If you won six or seven and got to a bowl, it was a great year. If you beat Clemson, it was a super year. Uh, 2000, things started to change. Uh, Carolina, you know, became a SEC program that was capable of winning football games. Uh, Sometimes at a high level. But sometimes, you know, just on any given Saturday, Carolina can win. Even the bad teams they've had have pulled off some surprises. So uh, I think that changed the standard. Uh, Coach Spurrier obviously changed the standard when he won the division in 2010 and, and had those big years. Um, but it really started with Lou Holtz and the, the, those two turnaround seasons because before that, man, I mean, you, you, know, you had one bowl team, that won six games in the regular season, finished seven and five because they won the bowl. I think Brad Scott had one more winning season, six and five, where they did not go to a bowl. Uh, Deuce Staley was on that team, pretty good team, um, mm-hmm. did not go to a bowl because Brad Scott was not a good coach. And um, and that was it. And the program bottomed out. I mean, I think everybody – I think it was kind of weird because I think everybody expected when Carolina came into the league, they were going to tote a butt whip it. Right. And they didn't. They're competitive, like Arkansas was competitive too. Um, but then you hit a downs down a down point, you know. Uh, and I think I think it'll be interesting to see if Missouri and Texas, a- I think Texas AM's figured out how unforgiving this league is, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh it's about to be eight loss Jimbo.
2: Yeah, welcome to the league. <laughs>
1: Eight uh, lost
2: Jimbo. <laughs> eight lost Jimbo. Oh my God. What are they paying him? Nine million dollars a year? <laughs> yes. Isn't that what his contract? Golly, think about spending all yes. that money for a four and eight season. Jeez.
1: Mm, terrible. Yeah. For, for Well, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, four because they did beat mm. UMass yeah. in un, un- uninspiring fashion. But if to
2: I th- heard more about weather impacting a game than I did coming out of damn college station this week, <laughs> <Hey,
1: laughs> well, hey, it just, was
2: raining. It was raining. It was raining. <laughs> it's okay. 20 to three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just didn't show. <laughs> I mean,
1: you're just like, it's UMass. It's November. It was also freezing cold. Uh, talking to Keith, because uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's in Austin, which is near college station. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was freezing cold. Uh a couple of drunk Aggies up there with their shirts off that had the section to themselves. They started running around waving towels. That thought it was kind of funny. Um, oh, golly. Was uh,
2: empty. It was so
1: empty. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Travis says, what's your all-time favorite Carolina football helmet? Well, because I kind of came of age in the 80s, I'm I'm kind of partial to the Garnet with the white circle. The white and circle, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, the one Todd Ellis wore. Yeah. You know. Um, in that the Sterling Sharp and those guys, I uh, I mean, I kind of like the throwbacks they wore this year against uh, SC State from 1968. Uh, I'm gonna give somebody credit on the message board, I don't remember what poster it was exactly, but they said they should do the stormtrooper look with those old school helmets. Uh, because speaking of Tommy Suggs, Tommy beat Clemson three times three, he was three and oh, right, against the Mm -hmm. Tigers. One of those first wins was 1968. Mm-hmm. Bust that out, yeah! Throw it that out, there out for Tommy. Let's go get one. Uh, somebody says Jim. Blind squirrel says Jimbo is getting or no, no. Somebody says Jimbo is getting paid a million dollars mm-hmm. a loss. Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> one million a loss. How do I get that deal? Yeah, if he loses eight, let's see what he makes eight. Yeah, if he loses eight, minute. it's That's over million I- a
2: million dollars a loss. Well, no.
1: I guess per year. So it'd be, he it makes probably 10 a year. I mean, but if you, if, if you talk about the legitimate, like his entire contract, uh, the money it's 10 million. I don't know, man. I
2: mean,
1: look, there's only a handful of coaches that have won national championships. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you get one, you kind of think you're doing well, but I, I would have maybe looked a little closer at what happened at Florida State with them. I mean, it kind of – they still recruited in the top five and all that, but, I mean, you could ask a lot of folks. Uh, he left it in bad shape. Willie Taggart made it worse, and Mike Norvell's had to dig his way out down there. Yeah, yeah, and that's been- that's one of the best brands in, in the country, you know, that, the Knowles. Everybody knows the Knowles. Um Sean said, bored, I'd you lose for half of that. I'll send my resume to College Station. Yeah, you can pay me half. Me and Phil, we'll be Aggies, gig them. That's right, gig them.
2: Won't make fun of the midnight yell or anything. (laughs) In
1: public. Well, yeah. In public. Uh, Quantrell says the Garnet-Garnet combo with black helmets is a clean look. They should wear those only at night. Yeah, I don't know, man. It looks like Texas Tech to me, but like I said, I'm not. I don't. I respect everyone's opinion on uniforms, right? Because man, you'll talk to like ten different people, and one of them will be like, "Oh God, love the all black, love the black helmets, love this, that." that. Everybody's like, "Those are donkey and awful,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: and some other people are like, "Well, I like the, the Garnet jerseys." Like, and I think that's what you get when you have two primary colors. And you don't really have a traditional look, um, which is okay. I mean, I, I think it, it's fine. I think you can win and not have a traditional look. Don't get me wrong.
2: I don't think we've gone with a solid color
1: combo all year, have we? No. No. Oh no, Arkansas Stormtrooper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Arkansas Stormtrooper. So I would oh, a garnet face mask. That's right, garnet. Face mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd throw a little. I'd throw a little curveball. I'd bust out those helmets again. And, um, you know, <laughs> excuse me. I'm allergic, to, ex- I'm allergic to excellence. Oh, I knew that mm-hmm. was coming. Um, I bust out those helmets again and throw the Stormtrooper look out there for that. So uh, that's good. Um, helmet and pants should match. Daddy-O, I kind of tend to agree most of the time. But that's okay. Like I said, everybody's got different opinions. It's Like the oh, fashionista yeah. uh, up in here. But we are out of time. Uh once again mega mega show tomorrow. Uh to end the week cuz Phil and I have Thanksgiving duty. You heard what this man has to start doing once we get off. <laughs> uh he's got a marathon ahead of him. I've got some things to do too. So we're going to take hol- ho- we'll take holidays off around here. Um so going to end the show this week tomorrow but we'll have Bradford and Flint on at the same time plus your interaction plus Chris Phillips with his high energy segment. Uh, in the middle of the day, and, uh, and then we'll bid you adieu for the week. So, we'll have predictions and everything. Also, I want to remind you about the contest. Uh, we've already got some entries in on Twitter. Just tweet, what makes you thankful for the show? And I Sawyer's at big spot. Um, Sean, I can drop an Ohio State-Michigan prediction tomorrow. Uh, I got to look up and see if Blake Corum's playing.
2: That's it. All hinges, it. hinges on that. Yeah, because I, I talked about that
1: on on J C and Morgan uh, yesterday. Is uh, you know, I think I, that's what it kind of depends on for me. I think Ohio State will win by a couple touchdowns if he does not play. If he does, man, Michigan may cover. Michigan's got a good team. So anyway, uh AJm M two, be nice to our guest. Okay, they're our guest. Okay, anyway, for Phil Ball and Access J C Sherman. have a great. Tuesday afternoon inside the Game Couch, the Show signing off. I'll holler at you soon.